the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. 4327. The following program is sponsored by Reaching Hearts Ministries. This is Reaching Your Heart. Pastor Michael Oxentenko's message today is entitled The Dragon, the Woman, and the Remnant. Now, we hope that you enjoy today's broadcast. You can find it online at reachingyourheart.com if you'd like to download a copy to your personal library or just listen there on the website. It's available there for you. It's reachingyourheart.com. Our phone number here is 877-788-5371. 877-788-5371. Feel free to call that telephone number at any time. Let's get underway. Here now is Pastor Michael Oxentenko with The Dragon, The Woman, and The Remnant. Today's Reaching Your Heart. Pastor Mike. Dear Father God, I don't want to be lost, and I'm not the only one here. We can go to church, we can do our level best, and we could be lost if our attitudes left Jesus. And it's easy. That's what happened in heaven, a perfect angel. Angel perfection did not prevent Lucifer from becoming Satan, the dragon, the devil. And Father, we don't have angel perfection, so we need something more than that here. I pray you'll give us Jesus. Give us humility to believe and to have faith, to not base our acceptance on how good or how much struggles we have, but to base it on who he is. And Father, the devil throws everything, including the kitchen sink, at every life here so they'll give up and not continue in the faith walk with you. May they not give up. May they find in service, active service, and in commitment to you, a pathway out of the faults of character that would destroy the soul. And Lord, as we stand on this sea of glass one day, I pray it will be a selfless congregation that stands there, that is hid in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Take your Bibles, turn with me to Revelation 12, verses 1 to 4. The Bible says, And a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. She was with child, and she cried out in her pangs of birth and anguish, for delivery. Another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems upon his heads. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. This great sign in Revelation 12:1 begins with a woman clothed with the sun, the moon under her feet, a crown of twelve stars in her head. She is in this prophetic picture, pregnant with a celestial child, and the dragon is ready to devour her child when he is born. It is heaven's gift to earth that we see in this figure. The war that will end here one day, the final conflict that will come to where we are at right here, started there with the woman. That's the context of Revelation 12. It was a war on the woman and all that she stands for and all that she has ever stood for from the dawn of time, the great controversy between good and evil, between Michael and Lucifer, between Christ and Satan, is an attack upon this woman. 
According to Galatians 4.26, the woman symbolizes the heavenly Jerusalem, which is the mother of every believer in Jesus Christ. Galatians 4.26, Paul writes, But the Jerusalem above is free, and she is our mother. Some people think, well, this is maybe Mary. It's not Mary. Mary was not in heaven before Jesus was born. The mother here described is the heavenly Jerusalem that through a selfless act gave us Jesus to be the Savior of the world. It cooperated with the heavenly Father to accomplish this end. Based on Psalms 19, 4-7, the Son represents the Word of God and especially the law of God. Based on Psalms 89, 37, the moon represents the consistent testimony in the sky, which is the testimony of Jesus identified in Revelation 12, 17. When war began in heaven, Christ was there before he became a human being here. He was there and he gave testimony to the truth to counteract the dragon's lies. He was there bearing witness before God that Lucifer was a liar and that God is true and that God's law is true and good. And he was in his testimony in mortal conflict with the dragon. And he was there. Based on Daniel 12, 3, the stars represent God's people and God's host that belong to this heavenly Jerusalem that in the end will turn many to righteousness. Daniel's very clear. Those that are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. The attack on heaven in the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation is an attack upon the stars or the remnant of what is left of the stars. When God called Abram out of Ur in the land of the Chaldeans, when the prophetic voice of God called him out of tower lands, where they would build a tower to climb up to God to a land that God would show him. When God called Abram out, the word of God, the prophetic word of God began to interact in history after the flood. And he promised Abram that his children would one day be like the stars in number. He took him out after he had conquered those enemies of his that had taken his nephew Lot into captivity. When he conquered the kings from the north and he was at risk now because he had used his sword to defend others. He was afraid of the specter of political invasion against his family. And God told him one night, he says, listen, Abram, I am your protection and your reward. You're going to be okay. And then he took him outside and he said, look up at the sky. And Abram had just said, listen, my servant will be the one who will inherit my house. And God said, not so. He said, you look up at the sky and you look at those stars and your children will be like the stars in number. And there was no evidence to support this claim of God. It was simply an impossible thing for a man who was approaching 100 years of age. And the Bible says that Abram believed the Lord. He believed the Lord. And when he did, in Genesis 15, 6, it says, the Lord reckoned it to him as righteousness. Is God trying to do something impossible in your life? Yes, he is. Because the fact is, you can't save yourself with all the effort you can muster. You cannot pull yourself up from whatever it is that challenges you. You may think you can, but you'll be caught in that one moment of failure and you'll know you can't. And friend, the only way to get from here to heaven's land, the only way to step on celestial shores is to believe in a God who can do the impossible in your life. By simple faith in him, he can work in you to accomplish his holy design for you. And so Abram believed the Lord and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Just before Israel left the desert for the promised land, Moses was sure to say that God had kept his word to Abraham. Deuteronomy 1.10, the Lord your God has multiplied you. 
He says, he has multiplied you and behold, you are this day as the stars of heaven for multitude. The prophet Daniel was shown that an attack on heaven by the Antichrist in the Middle Ages is in fact an attack on the stars of heaven. It's an attack on the promise made to Abraham to multiply his children like the stars in number. When the devil goes after God's people, he's not just attacking people, he's attacking stars. He's trying to yank the stars out of the heavenly sanctuary. He's trying to drag God's people out of holy fellowship that according to the apostle Paul is in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus. In Hebrews 12, the Bible is very clear that we have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, to the heavenly Jerusalem, to innumerable angels in festal gathering, to the assembly of the firstborn enrolled in heaven, that we are not citizens of an earthly church or sanctuary, that we are citizens of a heavenly realm. And the devil would love to pluck you out of a divine relationship with God that is pictured in Scripture being in the heavenlies. So in Daniel 8.10, what does the Antichrist power of the Middle Ages do? It says it grew great even to the host of heaven. And some of the host of the stars it threw down to the ground and it trampled on them. You ever felt beat up by the devil? Just stomped on by evil in your life? Well, the minute you take your eyes off of Jesus, the moment you forget that by faith you can be a child of Abraham and you surrender to that negative feeling in you or the negative statement of somebody else who says, no, you cannot be this then you can be thrown to the earth. And friend, it is not God's plan in your life for you to be demoralized in your Christian walk. It is the plan of God to lift you high, to elevate your heart, to place you in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus, to secure your faith, to secure your commitment in life and a solid, consistent walk with God and to ever be a star in God's plan. When God's people are faithful to his word, God blesses them and they multiply like the stars of heaven. There is no tragic motif planned for you as a Christian. It is not God's design that somehow you get all the way to the gates and somehow you fail just before you enter in. That is not God's plan for you. When they turn their back on God, when God's people give up the call to be people of faith and they turn their back on God and they forget his word, that's when trouble starts and they cease to look like the stars of heaven. They become a remnant of sorts. They're reduced in number from the mighty stars to just a simple remnant. A remnant, few in number, in place of the stars that fill the night sky. Deuteronomy 28.62. The Bible says, Whereas you were as the stars of heaven for multitude, you shall be left few in number. The Hebrew is, you shall be a remnant few in number, because you did not obey the voice of the Lord your God. In Revelation 12.1, the woman has a crown of 12 stars on her head. Twelve stars represents the twelve tribes of Israel, the twelve patriarchs of the Old Testament before the flood, the twelve foundations of the New Jerusalem, the twelve apostles and disciples of the apostolic church. It represents what it means to be the people of God. Twelve stars. One-third of the heavenly angels rebelled against God to join the ranks of the dragon who is Satan. The Bible is clear that his tail went up there and it swept a third of the stars down. That means two-thirds of the stars remain behind. Have you ever wondered if heaven was somehow depopulated because of evil? Now, here's the bottom line based on Revelation 12. Two-thirds stayed with God, one-third left, which means the majority is always with God. 
I mean, if you're struggling to know that as you try to follow the Lord and you try to follow his word, and it feels like you're in the minority in your workplace, you're in the minority in your family, maybe you're in the minority in your church, and you just want to follow God and you feel the pain of being laughed at or marginalized, friend, remember that two-thirds of the angels remain with God and are loyal, and you may look like you're a minority on earth, but if you're faithful to God, you are part of the majority. The majority of the stars remain faithful to the God of heaven. In heaven, there is more than a remnant that remain with God. At the end of time and just before Jesus returns, the Bible predicts that the dragon will attack the remnant of the woman's seed that is left on earth. The dragon will set his sights to blot out the church of Jesus Christ on earth. The attack on that church is an attack on the remnant that remains faithful to Jesus and to the woman, the heavenly Jerusalem. It is an attack on the woman, that celestial mother that gave up Jesus as the commander of heaven. It is an attack upon the new Jerusalem. Satan's attack upon the remnant at the end of time is rooted in a deep-seated anger that has been brewing ever since he was thrown out of heaven at the cross when he lost his right to accuse us day and night before our God. Now think about it. At the cross of Calvary, Satan was banished from the heavenly councils for good. We know this because Jesus said in John 12, if I am lifted up, I'll draw all unto me. And he said just before that, now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the ruler of this world be cast out. Satan could no longer represent our planet in the divine councils. He could no longer take the place of Adam, whose authority he had usurped by conquest. When Christ defeated him at the cross, he no longer had the right to stand before God and the heavenly angels and to say that there's something wrong with your life or your children's life or anything like that. The accuser of our brethren was thrown down who accuses us day and night before God. What does he do now? Now he's hell-bent on destroying the church of Jesus Christ. He's so mad that he has lost the game, that he has lost this cosmic controversy. He has set his sights to destroy anyone on earth who is a citizen of that heavenly Jerusalem. And he'll destroy any part of heaven he can find down here in the church. Revelation twelve thirteen. And when the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had borne the male child. Every Christian that died for his or her faith in the Christian centuries was pursued by the dragon. So don't be surprised if you're pursued by the dragon in your life. Don't say, well, why am I having so much trouble? It's as if the devil doesn't like me. And you should say, well, of course he doesn't like you. Why would he give you a good, easy path when you belong to that heavenly Jerusalem that he hates so much? Nero burned believers alive to light up his horse races. In that first century, the Apostle Paul was beheaded to appease his enemies. Peter was crucified at the whim of that tyrant Nero. John was boiled in oil but survived to give us the book of Revelation. Christians were hung, butchered, and starved to death. They were left to die naked in the cold on icy lakes. Hot irons were applied to their body to get them to deny Jesus Christ. They were crucified like Jesus was and ripped open and murdered for their faith. And we live in an era today where the prosperity theologians of our time will tell you that unless you're blessed, you're not a Christian. 
None of these people would have qualified as Christians in this modern mess of theology, prosperity theology. It says you have to be blessed to be a believer. It is a satanic delusion. Friend, if you follow Jesus, the dragon will focus his anger on you. Your path is not easy, but it is rewarding because it leads from here to glory. It leads from conflict to righteousness and ultimate justification in God's eternal kingdom. The persecutions... Of those early Christians were few, relatively speaking. And they were followed by the persecutions of the Middle Ages that were horrific and on an unbelievable scale. The church that turned its back on the Bible in the 4th and 5th centuries became the very force that Satan used to pursue the woman into the wilderness. Christians were hunted down and killed by the organized church of the Middle Ages, by the Christian clergy, and millions of people died horrible deaths that can never be understood until the great judgment day. And what was their crime? They wanted to follow the Bible. They wanted to share the love of Jesus Christ to those in that Christian dark era who did not know it. And so these honest men and women of faith who refused to give up the Bible died for its truths at the rack and the stake, and the organized church of the Middle Ages banished them to hell with no chance of eternal life. Revelation twelve fourteen. But the woman was given the two wings of the great eagle that she might fly from the serpent into the wilderness to the place where she is to be nourished for a time and times and half a time. In Exodus 19.4, God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt on eagles' wings. He said, see how I brought you, he said in Exodus 19. How I brought you and bore you up on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. The children of Israel left Egypt at Passover. The pillar of fire and cloud appeared and God carried his people through adversity, through the Red Sea to his holy mountain. And in the love language, he said, I brought you in eagles' wings to myself Friend, Jesus died at Passover. And what John is saying is that God did the same thing for the apostolic church that he did for his people in the Old Testament. Just as he protected his Old Testament people from adversity, he protected the New Testament church in the Middle Ages, in the wilderness. In Deuteronomy 8.3, the Lord led his people into the wilderness to teach them to rely on the word of God for life. You know, it's funny. I have been interacting with some ministers lately, and I'm just amazed and how you can get a Ph.D. in theology, or you can get a master's degree at the seminary, and you can think that you're smarter than the Bible. That's problematic if that ever happens. Friend, I value biblical scholarship, good, clean biblical scholarship. But you know what I value the most? The Bible. Just the Bible. The ability to take that book out and study it and let God speak to me from the words of of the Bible. I mean, I don't care what some self-help guru says more than what Jesus says. And I'm not that concerned personally about what the great theologians say if it differs with what the Lord has taught us in his holy word. So God brought his church into the wilderness in the Middle Ages to teach it to rely on the Bible. In Deuteronomy 8.3, he said this in the Old Testament, and he, God, humbled you, and he let you hunger And he fed you with manna, which you did not know. As I said before, manna means what is it? Nor did your fathers know that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but that man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. You need the word of God to live more than the food on your table. 
You need the word of God more than the air you breathe. You need the word of God and you must hunger for the word of God to feed on the word of God. The church of the Middle Ages was not to be sustained by creeds and councils or tradition. The true church of the Middle Ages was led into the wilderness by Jesus Christ, by God the Father, by the Holy Spirit, by the Trinity, to feed on the Bible and to grow in the Word of God till one day the church that went into the wilderness would leave the wilderness for the promised land with Jesus Christ, to learn the lessons of humility, to hunger for God's Word, for life itself in the Bible. And when the church had learned that lesson, God would bring it out of the wilderness to unleash it on the world, to prepare the world for the second coming of Jesus Christ, a church on its way to the glorious promised land. A time, times, and dividing of times in Revelation 12, 14 is identical the 1260 days in Revelation 12, 6. It's very clear the woman symbolizing God's people, the extension of the heavenly Jerusalem, the embassy here on earth of that heavenly city went into the wilderness for a time, times, and dividing of times. But if you look in verse 6, it calls that time, times, and dividing of times 1260 days. The woman goes into the wilderness in verse 14 and in verse 6 for 1260 days, which means 1260 literal years in Bible prophecy. The church of the Middle Ages was hiding and feeding on God's word for over a thousand years. I went to Italy a few years ago. I had the opportunity of going to the Ingrania Valley in the northern Italian Alps to the place of the great Waldensians who had kept a copy of the New Testament throughout many of the centuries of the Middle Ages, had evangelized a lot of the great cities of Europe, and they were hunted down and killed in a number of crusades for the crime of following the Bible believing that by faith in Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. And as I went there, I was amazed to find that there are inscriptions there where they say that we are the church spoken of by John in the apocalypse that went into the wilderness for 1260 days or a time, times, and dividing of times. These dear people lived in those great mountain fortresses preserving the word of God, extending it by faith, doing their level best to share Christ, and they lost their lives doing this. I climbed the mountain one day over there. It was in the snow, and it's kind of high up, and I was winded. I could barely walk up the stretch, and I came to the College of the Barbs where they had this stone table where they had memorized large portions of the New Testament. And I remember standing in the snow. The door was locked. I looked through the window. And I felt this close to some of the greatest people who've ever lived in the history of the world. Men and women who died to give us the Bible, to preserve the knowledge of Jesus. When the organized church of the Middle Ages sought them out to destroy them because the church had become antichrist in the Middle Ages. Dear heart, the time prophecy started in the spring of 538 A.D. It ended in the spring of 1798 A.D. That is the period of time the Bible predicted the church would be in the wilderness. The French Revolution changed the world around the year 1798 when the old order came crashing down and a new secular order arose in its place. For the most part, Christians can worship God in freedom today. Why? 
If you are a student of history, you know that the French Revolution destroyed the old order of the church-state system of the Middle Ages. It brought freedom. It brought some bad things, too. It brought atheism, communism, which is a satanic movement. But, dear heart, it brought a tension in world civilization that allowed the church to have a reprieve from the awful persecutions of the Middle Ages. For the most part, Christians today can worship God in freedom because of that world revolution. The Bible tells us that the earth came to the help of the woman. In Revelation 12, 15, the serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman to sweep her away with the flood. In Revelation 17, 15, the waters of a river represent many peoples, nations, and tongues. Revelation 17, 15, he said to me, the waters that you saw where the harlot is seated are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. The crusaders of Italy tried to destroy the church of the Waldensians, the Albigensians and others like them. Great rivers of humanity with swords and spears sought out men and women with Bibles in their hands to wipe them off the face of the earth, to sweep them away with the mighty armies of the Middle Ages, and God protected his church from them. In Revelation twelve sixteen. but the earth came to the help of the woman. The earth opened its mouth and swallowed the river, which the dragon had poured from his mouth. There was an incident recorded in the Middle Ages when one of the crusading armies that came up to the Waldensian Mountains was seeking to take them out in a decisive blow. And those godly farmers and their desire to defend their family got on their knees and prayed for God's intervention. And something happened that it hadn't happened since the days of Moses. A pillar of cloud appeared in the sky and it settled in the mountain passes and created terrible fog and confusion for the armies that were coming. The same cloud that had led the mighty Israel of God in the Old Testament was there in the wilderness to prevent the Waldensians from being wiped out in a single day by the decisive blow. And as that cloud settled on the mountain pass, these godly farmers climbed to the heights and took large stones and threw them down. And confusion followed, and those armies dissipated. Thanks for tuning in today to Reaching Your Heart. That will conclude the first portion of The Dragon, The Woman, and The Remnant here on the broadcast. We appreciate you listening. Remember our phone number, it's 877-788-5371. 877-788-5371. Don't forget that Reaching Your Heart is a listener-funded program We depend on your contributions. The address here is Reaching Hearts International, 15300 Spencerville Court, Suite 201, Burtonsville, Maryland, 20866. That's Reaching Hearts International, 15300 Spencerville Court, Suite 201, Burtonsville, Maryland, 20866. And if you're in the Washington, D.C. area, stop by. We'd love to have you at the worship service. For Pastor Mike and everyone here, please also know that we pray that God is reaching your three-star general michael j flynn head of the pentagon intelligence agency knew all the government's dirty secrets he was one of the most respected generals in the military flynn knew what the intel world had been up to he understood its funding he ordered the first audit of the use of contractors this set off alarm bells the explosive new documentary flynn 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.